Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. We have an awesome, super special guest today. His name is Greg Dickerson. He is a military veteran, a super business owner, real estate investor, and this guy is absolutely crushing it. What's going on, Greg? How are you doing? <laughs> doing good, Mike. How are you today? Doing amazing. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention that he's a coach and mentor to like some of the best professionals out there. I mean, if you know Joe Fairless, he's coaching them. Hopefully, he'll be coaching you know us and the ADPI team here very soon. This dude has so much wisdom, man. Oh, my goodness. I had a cup of coffee with him last week and for one day, and then all of a sudden, boom, light bulbs turned off, and now we are – we are going super hard into this like military house hacking seminar. So thank you so much, Greg, for the awesome wisdom uh, that you were able to share. Just, you know, over a cup of coffee. That's amazing. Well, and a little banana, banana bread loaf. So thank you for that. And that was one of the best banana bread loaves you probably ever bought. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was. And I guess I'll have to keep doing it, man. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, it was a great little coffee shop. I loved it, man. But yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. You know what? Why not? Shout out to Coaster's Coffee here in the uh, Norfolk area. If you guys are ever around, go grab the coffee there. It's good stuff. Awesome. And, uh, you know, look it up. That's a great example of a commercial building that was probably dead and just left abandoned at one point in the middle of what you would think is kind of like who would put a coffee shop here? But they go in there, they remodeled this little commercial building, and now it's a thriving business. I mean, just perfect you know, regentrification kind of a project, you know, adaptive reuse type of project. I don't know, it might've been a laundromat. Who knows what it was at one point, but right. it looked like it was an ugly building and they made it beautiful. And they made it so beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. I guess they have to have that creative, that creative spark, right? That you yeah. have. So Greg, uh, tell us, man, what's, give us a little bit about your military background and how you got started in investing. So military, you know, family, every adult male in my family or every male in my family, were all military, army, Navy, you know, whatever. Uh, grandfather was a Pearl Harbor survivor. And uh, my dad was a 20-year career military man, went in right out of high school, came out a warrant officer. Uh, so he had a long, successful career. I went in, uh, enlisted right out of high school in 1985, and I was a ship serviceman, so retail. Uh, we took care of the ship stores and vending machines, barber shops, and the laundry. Nice. And uh, dry cleaning plant. That was no fun. It was hot and miserable. Everybody has to do their time in the laundry when they first get on board. Oh, man. But the interesting thing is you can call in a lot of favors and you can get a lot of favors by controlling the laundry. So <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty cool. So, uh, so yeah, we were the guys you went to. If you wanted anything on the ship, we had, we had our fingers on it. So it was a pretty awesome job. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur, natural born entrepreneur, you know, raking leaves, cutting grass. You know, I was the kid that would go around the neighborhood, knock on doors and just say, hey, Mike, you know, I need to make some money. What do you need done? I'll wash your car. I'll walk your dog. I'll babysit your kids. I'll cut whatever. I need 20 bucks. You know, and I mean, that's how, what I did. I would just go knock on doors. So that's how I got started at a young age and, um, you know, had a multiple of jobs before I went in the military. And, you know, I did four years, got out. You know, I wanted to do my own business, wanted to do my own thing. And I worked in, in corporate world restaurants. I always had a construction business on the side while I was working in restaurants. And uh, I got out of the Navy in 89 and uh, kind of bounced around, traveled a little bit, did 
few different things from 89 to 97. But in 1997, I moved to the Outer Banks of North Carolina and I started a little remodeling handyman company. And my first year, uh, we did 250,000 in sales. Uh, my seventh year, we were a $30 million company, one of the largest builder developers down there. And I started a dozen other, uh, what about 10 other companies uh, along the way, right along with that. I've started about 12 different companies in my career, started them, built them up, sold them off either with people or from scratch. And, uh, and then learned how to develop uh, property and invest in commercial properties and build commercial properties and things like that along the way. So that's kind of, you know, my story in a nutshell. That is awesome. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, I was talking to him about this. I'm, you know, the fact that he was able to close $250,000 in his first years of sales, just taking a company from like scratch is absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, that one was literally from scratch. Just me and my truck and tools. The first job I ever yeah. did was for a neighbor of mine that owned a restaurant. I built a little, uh, a little deck for 500 bucks that could hold a walk-in refrigerator. And I thought, man, I'm done. I, you know, I never have to worry about anything again. You know, I just made $500 in one day. I couldn't believe it. Now I had to pay for materials and stuff. So I probably netted like 300, but still for me at the time, Confidence. that was a lot of money. Right. And then I just started doing odd jobs for other, other friends that had restaurants. And then I started trimming houses for builders and I started doing remodeling and handyman work. And then I started building spec houses and I partnered with a, with another developer that kind of taught me how to, how to build spec houses. He took total advantage of me, but Hey, I learned and then I took right. it from there and, and multiplied. That's it. Absolutely. Right. You were able to leverage that opportunity, get a lot of experience and then boom, go out and recreate your own yeah. success. That's, yeah. that's awesome, man. And you know, what's really crazy too, even taking it back. I mean, just in your short time in the military, I mean, you were able to leverage those opportunities too, right? I mean, just like you said, I mean, if you're in the laundry, you're in the service division, you can leverage a network and kind of get what you need from there. I mean, that's awesome experience right there. So yeah, yeah. Bartering and trading and, you right. know, Hey, you want your uniform pressed, you know, then you can, you know, we'll do a deal. You want some sodas. You want to be the first one when the ship, you know, when the goods come in. I mean, we, we touched everything that was, you know, <laughs> non-military grade food service related. It came through our hands. So we wow. controlled it. That's it. Right. Right. So for all we of those, ship, you know, we're, we're on a Western Pacific tour, Westpac, you know, did six months. I was on a battleship, New Jersey, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, when you're out to sea for 30 days, you know, sodas and chips and candy bars and, you know, cigarettes and things like that. I mean, those are hot commodities. Hot commodities. Yep. <laughs> Even toilet paper. Toilet paper was a big commodity. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's so true. <laughs> toilet paper is like that's gold so, on a ship. Let me tell you. So true. <laughs> hey, you know what? I mean, and this is no offense to any females out there. I absolutely love females in the Navy, but that was one of the big uh, culture shocks coming from a minesweeper where it was all male ship and then going on to an LPD where like half the crew was female. And I'm like, why is the toilet paper always missing? <laughs> like, what is? <laughs> People think I'm joking when I tell them that. I'm like, uh-uh. Right. I have a locker full of toilet paper, not clothes, toilet paper. <laughs> Man. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I, I completely understand that. Uh, wow. All right. So, awesome, awesome stuff, man. Um, I would love to just kind of pick your brain on just business for a second, right? So, we always talk about real estate, but just going into the mindset, and you, you said that you had, you know, uh, bought, well, not as you bought, but built and sold businesses. When you're going into a business, right, uh, what kind of end strategies should you have in mind? I mean, like, what, how long should you, should you think about this business? A two-year, three-year, five years? Like, what, what you, what's going on in your head when you're starting? Yeah, it depends on what it is. So it's funny, the, the two are very similarly related. They're very close. You know, real estate, business, you want to look at the end first, like you just said. So you want to have your exit strategy. Every business 
that you go into. Some people, it's really a job for them. They're self-employed, but it's, it's, it's a job. It's not a business. Right. Um, so that's just what they do till they retire. But for me as a business owner, uh, I'm not looking and I didn't work in every business that I own. I was not running the day to day. I was never working in the business, never did a thing. I always had somebody who operated it and I coached them and I, I ran the business through them and I put the pieces and the systems and the people in place for the business to run on an automated, you know, in an automated way, but I still watched the numbers. I still got reports on a regular basis of the numbers. You know, I still knew what was going on in the business. So to answer your question, you know, you look at the exit strategy, it depends on what kind of business it is. And for me, it's always been more about every business has a potential to scale to a certain point. So not every business can scale exponentially. Some businesses can only get so big in certain areas, um, you know, based on market share, based on demographics, geographics, you know, things like that price point. So I always look at what's the scalability of this business? Where is it going to max out at? And it's somewhere along that growth curve when you get the business, when you get the top line sales maxed out and then you bring the bottom line revenues up to par with the top line sales, it's kind of like that accordion theory, right? As your sales grow, your expenses shrink. As your, expenses, as your sales shrink, your expenses should shrink even faster, right? So you got to find that balance on that accordion where everything's firing, your top line sales and your bottom line profits. So when you get that balance, that's when it's time to sell if that's your goal. So for me, every business I got involved in, I either partnered with somebody and the idea was to sell it back to them at some point, or we partnered together and we sold it to somebody else at some point, like restaurants. I did a number of restaurants and did a pool spa landscaping company, did a plumbing company, hurricane shutter company, a couple of things like that. They were all small businesses. And, um, you know, they only had in the market certain amount of potential. It could only get so big. So we got it to the point to where it was about as big as it was going to get. And then we sold it. So that's kind of what I look at from a business standpoint. And, you know, same thing if you're looking at a tech company that has infinite scalability, you know, you get to a point, you know, uh, of building that company to where it's viable for an IPO. And that's the exit strategy, right? For a lot of companies, a lot of multifamily right. investors, their idea is to put together a portfolio. And the idea is to take that thing public and sell it on Wall Street, you know, either to a firm, to a REIT or to or do an IPO. So uh, it just depends on the size of the company, what the service is, what the scalability is. Then you tailor your exit strategy to that. So at my point in life, I'm looking for, like you said, I do some coaching and mentoring, but I also look for equity opportunities in companies that have the ability to scale. So I'm running out of time. I'm 52. I'm not going to be around forever. So at this point in my life, for me to get involved in a business at a high level um, that, that I'm going to grow and be part of, it needs to be able to scale, you know, right. to the hundred million plus range. That's what I'm interested in uh, at this, at this point in my career. Wow. All right. That, that, that makes sense, man. And that's, that's phenomenal. Um, so, so then bringing it back to the start then, you know, what are some key things that people should think about before they start their business? Well, you should know what it is. So whatever it is you're doing, the product, the business, whatever, you need to know it. You need to know your business. You need to know the numbers of the business, um, what it takes from a legal standpoint to even start the business, you know, what licenses are required, what kind of insurance, um, then you need to know the metrics, you know, what is your product? How much can it sell for? What's the profitability? What are your margins? What's the demand? A lot of people think, Hey, I'm going to go bring a product and create a market. That's a big mistake. You know, now there are some exceptions to that rule as we've seen with like Apple and Amazon and, you know, Microsoft, that people that have created markets that we didn't even know were there, but right. for the general individual entrepreneur who wants to start a business, find where there's demand and fill that demand or find where there's a problem and solve that problem. In my case, when I first started out, when I moved to the Outer Banks, I was going to open restaurants. So I had bought a house and I was trying to get an addition built on my house and I was trying to get you know, some other projects done. Nobody would call me back. I could not get anybody to come out and give me a quote. 
So I started asking people and they're like, you know, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, everybody is so busy. They can't even respond. They can't even give you an estimate. So I said, well, there's a problem where there's a problem. There's an opportunity. So I decided to go ahead and create a company and, and fill, fill that need in that niche and solve that problem. Wow. Okay. There it is. Right. So again, going back to the whole idea of being aware of your surroundings and taking the opportunity to solve some issues that are going on in your area. Right. Right. So that's, that's awesome. That entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, right. That's, yeah, that's awesome. either solve a problem, which is usually where a lot of companies are created this day and age. If you watch shark tank or you know, anything like that, it's usually solving a problem, right? Most right. inventions or companies, um, or there's a already a market for something. And then you come in and make something better, or you just serve that niche or serve that market. So right. that, that's the other way to do it. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, so if we're talking about putting together a business plan, right, what are some key elements that you put there? Or, or do you even think a business plan is necessary? I've, I've heard yeah. in some cases people don't think it's necessary. Yeah. You always want to have a business plan. So a lot of people think a business plan needs to be this complicated hundred page thing with charts and graphs and financial models and this and that, and, you know, that's appropriate for certain businesses, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, like Warren Buffett has a saying that if you can't put your business plan on a cocktail napkin, it's probably too complicated. So, uh, what I tell people is keep it simple. Okay. Create an executive summary first and foremost, before you get into a formal business plan, right. unless it's something that you're going to go out and try to raise capital, get investors, then, you, then you're going to need to show, uh, you know, a little bit of sophistication. You're gonna have to show some models and model some things. But really initially, all you need is an executive summary. It can even be one page. And what you start out with, number one, is the, is the concept. What is it that you're going to do? Mm -hmm. What niche are you going to fill? What problem are you going to solve? What product are you bringing to the market? That's number one. Number two, uh, number two, what does the market look like? What's the demand? What's the metrics? What's the profitability, the margins, you know, the scalability, right? Number three, what are the logistics of the business? Do you need a, do you need a physical location? Is it an online thing? You know, how is the inventory and the orders for fulfilled? What kind of personnel do you need? You know, when you go down into it, you know, then you got to say, what kind of employment, employees, personnel, are they outsourced? Are they in-house? Are they full-time? Are they part-time? How much do they cost? You know, things like that. Then you get into your, uh, you know, financial projections, right? What are your sales estimates? What are your uh, operating costs? And what does your uh, net income look like at the end of the day? So, you know, all that can be put on one page. It can be simplified really easy and streamlined really easily on one page where you have maybe 10 or 12 items. Um, you know, down that list of that executive summary. So that's where I tell everybody to start with when you have the initial concept, just start with an executive summary. Don't get into the formal business plan unless you're raising capital. Then you're going to have to get a full on business plan where it just elaborates and goes into more detail where you get into demographics and you get into, you know, financial models and, you know, financial modeling, you know, right. things like that return for the investors. So, uh, so that, that's my advice. Keep it simple, keep it to one page. And there's all kinds of templates out there for an executive summary for a business plan. Awesome. Awesome. Greg, we really appreciate this insight because, you know, one of the strategies we teach in house hacking, you know, is the ability to start a business from home. Right. And so a lot of times what will happen is if, you know, a spouse is, uh, is at home, say with the kids while the significant other is away on deployment. Right. You need to try and find some way to generate income, especially if they're just living in a single family home. So while renting out maybe the other bedrooms or living in a multifamily, you know, unit may not be the most desirable, you know, starting a business from home can certainly be something that can help generate some income to pay off that mortgage. Uh, you so know, and there's power, there's power in writing it down. So don't take yeah. that lightly. Even if it's a one page simple, just handwritten. Okay. An idea is just an idea until you write it down, then it becomes a goal. Then when you list the steps to achieve that goal, you always work it backwards. You start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. What is it you want to do? Do you want to have a cake baking business, right? 
Right. And uh, for that cake baking business to exist, okay, so that's a goal. So I have this idea. I want to bake cakes and sell them. Great. Write it down. I'm going to, you know, create a business where I bake cakes and sell them. Okay, so what is it going to take for that to happen? Okay, well, I've got to have a kitchen. I've got to have ingredients. I've got to have a cake that I'm going to do. It's going to be this kind of cake. So the idea becomes a goal. The steps to achieve the goal become your business plan. It's that simple. You know, the way success proceeds is first the idea, then the means to implement it, and then the action, right? You know, faith in it, means to implement it. That's how success proceeds. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So um, write it down. There is power in writing it down. That's, that's key, guys. Absolutely critical, right? Um, goal writing, you know, we've spoken about it before. Uh, this is absolutely a huge step. Uh, and I yeah, love and that. You whole know, and like I said, you can write down, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, that's great. But <laughs> what are you going to do every single day? Right. To True. lose that 20 pounds, right? So let's say you want to lose 20 pounds in a month. Well, that's a pound a day. So what are you going to do to lose that? You're going to cut your calories. You're going to walk. You're going to go to the gym. You can do this. So you put down the action steps that you got to do every single day. And then each day it works out. And then that's, you know, that's your business plan. Exactly right. That's awesome. So, so what challenges have you faced in the past with business, right? Where things either didn't go as well as you planned uh, and, and how can um, the serial entrepreneur from home kind of help hedge against these challenges that they might, might, might face in their business as well? Yeah. So, you know, all the typical challenges you're going to find in terms of finding good employees, you know, keeping good employees, um, receivables, people paying you on time, um, you know, competition in the market, you know, things like that, people undercutting you, underbidding, you know. So, I mean, you have all those typical challenges, you know, bringing in enough customers, you know, things like that. But um, the biggest thing you never want to do, and, the, you know, some of the biggest things that people do is they a lot of times will overestimate what they can do um, in, you know, 10 years, but they underestimate what they can do in a year, right? So when you look at a one-year plan, like a lot of people have this 10-year goal. When you're starting a business, you got to break it down much quicker. You got to say, look, here's where I want to be at the end of the year with this business and then break it down by the month, by the week, by the day, by the hour in every day of mm -hmm. what you got to do to achieve that goal so that you don't, you know, underestimate what you can do in a year and you can, you can hit that plan. And, you know, finding the right people, if you need employees, business partners, those types of things, finding the right people is huge. You want to make sure you've got the right partners. I've done some business deals where I didn't have the right partners and those, those were mistakes. And sometimes you just don't find that out until you get into business with somebody. So you want to try to get to know somebody as much as you can uh, along the way. Um, you know, but I just, I learned stuff the hard way. So, you know, I didn't go to college. So I had to learn it all the hard way, made a lot of mistakes when I first started out in remodeling. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to price things. So I had to learn by doing, and I had to, I had to record the data, the, the amount of time it took me to do things, you know, stuff like that. Materials are kind of easy to figure, but the time labor component was hard to figure for certain jobs. So I had to learn that over a period of time. Now I know exactly what things cost and I can, I can price stuff out really well. Um, so, you know, just, just learning the hard way along the way. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any coaches. The internet wasn't around. So for me, it was a lot harder to learn today. You can hire somebody, you can partner with people, you can do all kinds of things to learn and shorten that learning curve and to fast track your results. That's so true. Um, but I did read, I did self-educate, <laughs> even though I didn't go to college, I'm self-educated. I poured into myself with all kinds of personal and professional development, uh, as well as, um, uh, you know, business specific, uh, whether it was, you know, real estate investing or, um, you know, corporation information or, you know, the numbers of the business, things like that. So I, I constantly poured into myself, read, learned, took courses, you know, and, and developed myself along the way. Um, got my real estate license, learned a lot, you know, through that process doing real estate deals. So just the general mistakes everybody makes when they, when they go into business, not really knowing what they're doing. 
when I built my first house, I didn't know what I was doing. So what I did was I went out and hired people that had been in the business building houses for 20 years to come work for me. So I went to the, nice. to the people in the market that were the best in the business doing what I wanted to do. And I hired their best people to come work for me. Mm. So, you know, I created the vision and I found the, the, I found the champions, the best people I could find to execute that vision. And then we went out and that's how we became one of the largest builders really, you know, I started, it was a seven year process, but we really hit the big growth path in about three to four years is when all that happened. When I started bringing those people on, started doing bigger, better projects, we, that's when we just went from like, I don't know, we did 250 the first year, 750 the second year, a million to the third year, two and a half million the fourth year, then we went to 12 million, then we went to 20, and then we went to 30. Dang. So I mean, it was just, you know, just boom, boom, boom. And it was oh, finding man. great people and, and coaching them to success and allowing people to make mistakes and learn and grow as we went along. So uh, it was a lot of fun. That is so impressive, man. I can't even like, can't even fathom that. That is awesome. So, but you know what though? And, and I got to say that it makes sense because you want to find those people that have already been through, right? I mean, I think one of the key things you said there was that you found people that had so much experience, right? They already had the experience. They've already done some, some failing of their own. For, and it's not to say that they're not going to fail again, right? I mean, you said that there was some trial and error there but they had already had like 20 years of experience. So for you guys to combine wisdom and then grow from there, it was able yeah. to scale on a colossal level. I mean, that is awesome. That was a lot of fun. You know, you, you get a thoroughbred, you let them run. You don't leave them locked in the stall. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, so much wisdom. Greg, thank you so much for, for enlightening us on the, on the business aspect of things. Uh, I want to just take something real quick back to real estate. Um, do you mind walking us through maybe one of the biggest deals that you've done? A lot of times we hear about, you know, folks when we're starting out, but we never really get to hear much about, you know, some of the awesome colossal deals that some people put together. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I've done a, none of re, uh, you know, a number of redevelopment projects and development projects that ended up in the, you know, $20 million range at the end of the day. But right. probably one of the neatest, most interesting deals I ever did was the biggest wholesale fee I've ever earned. Right. So most people starting out or whatever, you know, they, they learn about wholesaling. So I made... I don't know, it was close to 500 grand on a wholesale deal one time. What? So, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, that's nothing, man. I had a friend that uh, he made $10 million wholesaling a piece of land to a national home builder up in Get Northern Virginia. out of here. Yeah, back in the day, 2000, you know, five, six time frame when the market was just blowing up. So this guy had a relationship with a lady that, uh, that owned 100 acres up in Northern Virginia, up in the, uh, I don't know, Alexandria, Arlington area, somewhere around there. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, he got it under contract and he flipped the land for $10 million to Centex Homes and they built this huge subdivision. So all he did was get it under contract, flip it wow. to them. Oh yeah. So being in the right place at the right time, having the right relationships. I mean, it's for me, my biggest wholesale was 500 and it was an oceanfront hotel that, uh, that I did a deal with a guy. Uh, it was a joint venture. He owned the hotel. It had uh, oceanfront lots on the ocean side, had a couple across the street. And the idea was to tear them down, tear the oceanfront down in the, in the, uh, baking lots across the street and build houses and sell them, right? He was going to throw the land in. I was going to borrow the money to build and do all that. Well, this was 2006, seven. Okay. And the market started getting a little bit funny. Things were changing, you know, 2007, eight, I guess. Yeah, it was seven, eight, right before 2009. Things were getting a little weird. So I said, you know what, why don't we just sell the oceanfront lots and then we'll be free and clear and we'll own the piece across the street and, you know, we can build houses and, and sell those. And, and he said, okay, so this is a guy who walked in my office you know, a couple of years prior, he wanted to do a development deal. And, uh, and I told him, Hey, let's tear the hotel down, build houses. He said, no, I got this guy that says we can convert this 
hotel them to condos and sell them off. I'm like, you can't do it. You're too close to the ocean. You, you don't have the property, you know, enough property and setbacks and things. And he didn't listen. So he spent two years trying to develop them into condos. They got in trouble, ended up in a lawsuit with each other. So he came to me and said, Hey, I'm ready to do your deal now. So walks into my office and I said, okay, let's do the deal. You throw in the land. I'll do the building. We'll split the profits. Wow. Right. So I had zero money in the deal, just a, just a contract sign. So midway through, um, this idea came up, let's just sell the oceanfront lots. We'll be free and clear across the street. We'll build over there. So there was a hotel. I had to tear it down. It had been destroyed by Hurricane Isabel. You know, it had been damaged right. where it wasn't habitable. And they had gutted it trying to do the condo. So I came in, spent 30, 40 grand, not out of my pocket, but hired a contractor, 30, 40 grand to tear it down. We conveyed all four lots to a developer out of Northern Virginia that, uh, that wanted to buy that property. I don't know, sold it for three, four million bucks. So it cleared out his note, paid for the demolition, put about $400,000 in each of our pockets. Wow. We still had the property across the street left to develop. So after that went down, he starts thinking, man, you made too much money. All you did was hire somebody, tear this thing down. You found a buyer. I could have paid you a commission. You know, he said, so I'm not doing the deal across the street. You're out. And I said, well, we have a contract. We have an agreement that our deal was what we did. And I said, I bought, I brought the buyer. I did what? everything. Right. He just tried so, to kick you out like that. Yeah, that is so yeah. old. Oh. Yeah. You know, seller's remorse. He'd made too much money. So Even his attorney, his, I knew his attorney, his attorney told me, man, he made, you made too much money. He doesn't like it. His friends are giving him a hard time. He thinks he got wow. taken advantage of. I'm like, you know, I settled, I settled his lawsuit, paid for half of that. I mean, I did a lot of work, right. To make this happen. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll wow. tell you what. I said, you know, you don't want to do the deal with me. That's fine. Just give me the money back that I paid for the demolition of the property and, you know, I don't know, lawsuit or whatever it was that I, I had contributed to settle and I'll go away. He said, nope, not doing it. And I said, okay. So I sued him. We won, you know, hands down. He had to pay me instead of, he could have walked away paying me, I don't know, hundred, maybe $50,000 or something like that. And he had to pay me 125,000. So wow. he paid my attorney, didn't have to pay my attorney, paid him 35 grand. So it cost him 150 when he could have, you know, just paid 30, 30 or 50 or whatever it was and walked away. Or he could have just done the deal and yeah. you know, like that would have been just it. Done, just you know done the I mean? deal. But you know, at that point when he was that sour, I was like, you know what, never mind. just pay me this and, and you go do the deal. Right. You, know, you don't trust me. You don't want me to be in the, you know, whatever. I made too much money. You know, you're not going to be happy when this thing goes down. Right. <laughs> so total gift horse. And uh, anyway, so that ended up, I made three something the first time then the 125. So it was, it was almost about 500 grand. Almost you know? 500. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. Goodness yeah, that was over a six-month period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. Phenomenal. Oh, Greg, you are a legend. I, I swear. That, that is probably one of the most epic stories we've heard on this podcast. But That was a crazy one. And, you know, those don't happen every day, obviously. But, you know, right. there's a lot of people out there with stories like that. And, like I said, the guy that did the $10 million flip. And, yeah, I've done some bigger deals, subdivisions that were 151 lot subdivisions. And I did a, you know, uh, mixed use. And, you know, I've done – you know, some $20 million developments and stuff like that. So nothing super huge. You know, I like to do the smaller, you know, stuff that you can get in and out of in a year or so, you know, things right. like that. So these aren't huge, huge developments. You know, what I've done in the whole scheme of things, there's, there's, there's companies out there doing billions, right? Hundreds of millions. You know, I've, I've done 5 million here, 20 million there, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but for a guy that, you know, never went to college and just came right out of the Navy and learned it all the hard way, you know, I'm happy with it. It's pretty good. And, and, you know, I've learned a ton along the way to where now at my point in life, I can really focus on the right things and do the right things and, and you know, fast track. So, uh, you know, I have no regrets, but if I could go back now, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I believe that, but you know what? Hey, you're not done yet, right? You still got plenty of time. So that is awesome, man. Oh, Greg, 
Oh my goodness, this is so cool. I, I'm so glad to have had this time to share with you. Um, you provided a lot, a lot of value, a lot of wisdom here on this podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I would love to bring you back here again. Yeah, yeah, anytime, man. It's been a lot of fun. I'd, I'd love to be, love to come back anytime. Yes, for sure, for sure. We're definitely going to make this happen. Uh, but I've got three final questions for you. Yep. For, for first one, what is your favorite book? So the book that launched me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A lot of people have read that, but, but for what I got out of that, a lot of people say real estate book. For me, what the light bulb was, build businesses that provided cash flow to invest in other deals, other, other assets, right? And build a business that is either automated or you build it with somebody else running it so that you're not tied up day to day. So that's what I did. I built a number of businesses that provided cash flow to provide income and then to invest in other assets. So that's how I grew and scaled so quickly. That's phenomenal. And you know what's really crazy and how, how this, this universe is so just centripetal, right? I literally heard that in an Uber ride two nights ago. It had to have been two nights ago. I was up in Denver and I was talking to the Uber driver and he said the same thing to me. You know, because we were talking about, you know, how I was there for a real estate conference. And he's like, yeah, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He's doing, um, he's selling t-shirts and, and a bunch of other merchandise on Shopify. And he's like, yeah, you know, a lot of people get, uh, get real estate from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I got business. I got something completely different. Yeah. So, so crazy. And, and it's, it's so true though. You're absolutely right. So, oh man. So guys, reread Rich Dad, Poor Dad if you haven't read it again, because there might be other avenues too for you there. Um, gosh, man. Okay. Who's your biggest hero and why? Question number two. Uh, you know, probably from a business standpoint, obviously I'm a Christian. So, you know, with, with, with all that, you know, mm -hmm. if we're talking about the secular world of business, um, I would say probably Sam Zell. So um, Sam Zell is a, is a commercial property owner who started with scratch. He's the original syndicator that created that model and has built, you know, a huge, huge company, did all asset classes, very successful uh, real estate guy. So, so I really, really admire what Sam Zell's been, ever to, been able to do in his career. Now, personally, I don't know him. I don't know his ethics and all that, but what he did from a real estate standpoint, I really, really admire that, look up to that. Obviously, Donald Trump, whether you love him or hate him, has done well with his branding and his real estate career, um, uh, you know, his ethics and all that, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> right, but, right. You know, what he's good. been able to do with his brand and the mm -hmm. projects he's been able to get into, you got to admire it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Big business guy, you know, successful for a reason. Question number three, if you had three nuggets of wisdom to give to those who are just getting started, what would they be? So uh, whether it's business, real estate, whatever it is, um, you know, if you're just getting started out, there's three ways to get started. You can, you know, hire a coach and a mentor and get them to teach you. You can invest passively with somebody else in deals or you can go to work for somebody else. So whether it's a business, you know, whatever that means to you, um, usually what I tell younger people is get the education, learn from the best in the business. If you, whatever it is you want to do, go find the best in the business doing what it is you want to do and learn from them. Go to work for them. Um, you know, whatever you have to do to learn from them, work for them, you know, something like that. Um, or, you know, find, find a coach, mentor, somebody to teach you, help you to fast track your success. But um, that's my main advice to young people is, especially people going into the corporate world that want a job or whatever, go find the best company doing what it is you want to do, go to work for them, learn from them, and then uh, save as much of your income as you can while you're young to invest in other assets as early as you can, as soon as you can and start growing and scaling that. Right. Absolutely. Phenomenal wisdom, Greg. Phenomenal. That is awesome. Guys, you definitely need to listen to this guy. Go connect with him. Greg, as a matter of fact, 
where can where can our listeners connect with you and what do you have going on we want to give you you know a chance to plug you know whatever you got going on that you yeah have. yeah so um so it's gregdickerson.com that's my website uh, all my contact info's on there email phone numbers all my social media stuff gregdickerson.com and uh, cell phone if you're if you can write it down 434-326-3903 so i'm always looking for um opportunities so i coach and mentor i love doing that i've got like you said i've got a handful of clients i like my motto is I like to find champions and coach them to success. You know, people like you that, you know, I say, hey, go do this. And you went after it. And you did it. You got it done. And you're already blowing this thing up, right? We had one meeting. You were <laughs> off to the races and you're executing, right? So that's who I like to work with. People that will take action, that will execute and will get it done. And, uh, and I mean, now, right? Now is the best time to do it. So I love, I love finding and coaching the right kind of people. Um, I'm looking for companies to get involved with that have scale. They have the ability to scale or people that are wanting to grow their company and scale their company. So I love to get involved with companies and help them, help them grow and scale their business. And I can help people double or triple their, their uh, revenues and profits quickly, 90 days or quicker, you know, if they have a business that's, that's up and running, you know, so that is scalable. There's some businesses that aren't scalable. You know, if you're a wallpaper hanger, there's not much I can do for you. <laughs> if you're out there slinging wallpaper, you know, I can help you scale that. It's going to take a little time. You know, uh, if we can find some wallpaper hangers, but anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Every business has the ability to scale, right? So I love That's finding it. the right kind of companies and, and getting involved with those. And then I'm always looking for, you know, for good real estate deals. You know, I look for the bigger stuff, you know, that uh, uh, that has more upside potential, but short term. I don't want to be anything for you know five, ten years. I'm looking for stuff you can get in and out of in about a year or so. Adaptive reuse, ground up developments, things like that. Infill development. You know, I love those types of pro- properties outstanding guys there will be every single way to contact greg in the show notes right we'll have a link to his website and make sure that you guys will be good to go there greg thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and uh we cannot wait to have you on the podcast again yeah i enjoyed it thank you for uh for having me and look forward to coming back all right take care take care outstanding that was an awesome episode thanks so much to our special guests and thanks to you for listening if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet make sure you go and do that or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week.